Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that rainbow. Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is going to do the same thing again year after year. Oh no! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio. This is a car cast coming to you after USC's 2021 spring game at the Coliseum. We're going to talk about the big storylines, the takeaways, our reaction, and so much more. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play. Wherever you can get a podcast, we are there. You can find our bonus episodes on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Our email address is Reign of Troy at fansetter.com and our phone number is 213-373-1USC, second Westburn Show. I'm your host, Michael Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Reign of Troy studio, not in a car. Sorry, Keely. Sorry, Keely. You gotta, you gotta be with me there. It's been so long since we've done a car cast. I know, let's try it again. We're in the studio, not in a car. Sorry, Sorry Keely. Keely. Uh, and I'm your host, Mike Garcia, joined with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. It is a car cast. We are back talking about football, the spring game at the Coliseum. It was great to get back out there. Beautiful, picturesque day at the Coliseum, except for the haze. Couldn't make out the Hollywood sign completely. It just looked like a white smudge on the mountains. But nonetheless, beautiful day for football. And uh, there was football played. I can confirm that part. Well, a game with a ball that resembled a football, I believe it was a football, involving uh, humans wearing pads and helmets and lining up 11 on 11 uh, and tackling each other and throwing forward passes and carrying the ball. Featuring the cardinal and the gold, but at the same time, the cardinal and the white? The cardinal and the white, but team cardinal, team gold, but... The How irony here is the that there's a spring game at the Coliseum, and the Trojans lose, the Cardinal win, but Stanford, nowhere to be found. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, let's get to talking about it. But first, this car cast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health LLC, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Foods line, Cacao Bliss. Yeah, you know, Michael, nothing feels better than being able to enjoy some rich, smooth, creamy chocolate and knowing that you're actually doing something good for your body. Yeah, they start with 100% organic cacao beans that are naturally kissed by the sun, maintaining its miraculous health benefits. Then they blend it with turmeric, MCT oil, coconut, Himalayan sea salt, cinnamon, black pepper, all this other great stuff for a perfect blend to make you feel like the best you ever have. The result, you fall in love with a truly decadent, healthy, guilt-free chocolate, removing your cravings, facilitating weight loss, boosting your energy, and reducing your inflammation all in one simple drink or cupcake or whatever it is that you decide to make with Cacao Bliss. Because, personal note here, my mother has been a huge believer in Danette May and Cacao Bliss for years now. And, uh, and so we're very, very happy to have the, the show sponsored by them. Yeah, for the last eight years, they've been a leader in the superfoods market. 
and are proud to have served millions of customers worldwide, your mom included. Yeah, and, and if you are on a paleo diet, if you're gluten-free, if you're on keto, if you're vegan, if you're vegetarian, it's friendly for all of those uh, dietary restrictions, so it's even better. Yeah, I'm on keto right now. It's perfect for mixing things up, getting a little flavor with your lack of carbs. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've already asked my mother for the recipe that she uses for her chocolate mug cake that she swears by and has sworn by for a long, long while, so... It's exciting to get some cacao bliss in our lives. Yeah, and you can too by getting 15% off when you visit earthechofoods.com slash minute media and use the code minute 15 earthechofoods.com slash minute media and use the code 15. If you need a link, it's in the show notes. Go there and get some cacao bliss in your lives. Yeah, I mean, chocolate is good. Healthy chocolate is great. Yeah, no one doesn't what else like do you need? it's bliss, right? It's bliss. What and else what else need? was bliss was just being in the Coliseum like we talked about with SC wearing Cardinal and gold, the Cardinal against the gold. But for real, your first takeaways. Yeah, I mean, the, the first takeaway is obviously how great it was to be back in the Coliseum in the press box to have, uh, you know, a, sm- a smattering of fans present to have USC in full uniform and going out there and, and scrimmaging in a real way it wasn't just situational it wasn't just uh them putting you know uh, install in where they're doing particular things it was letting the players go out there and make plays and i think that's the best thing about us having a spring game format that usc has missed out on over the past few years is that i think this really let individuals have their say and and really let them uh rise and fall uh with the with the, the flow of the game so it was very, very nice to see guys on offense, guys on defense get their shot. And it, it was, you know, I think it was a sloppy a little bit. I think it would have been more ideal to do this at the end of spring camp when everybody's a little bit more on the same page. But also, as Clay Hilton said in, in his post game, uh, that it's a cool learning experience because now they get to look at the tape and then go back and teach from this and learn from this. So uh, all in all, can't complain when you have a spring, spring game. Yeah, the good news is that they can build from this. It was a sloppy performance. I thought the offense really had trouble moving the ball all day. Uh, the defense, definitely the, the sound winners here. You won't see that on the scoreboard. It was cardinal and gold, yet the teams were dressed as offense and defense. Very confusing for fans at the Coliseum, fans watching on the Pac-12 network, us in the press box. It was very weird. Um, but when you put it together, you could really see what those two teams were. Part of the problem, though, is how they split the teams. Because for me, the biggest talking point is the offensive line in this game was awful. Like, I don't want to sugarcoat it. It was awful. And I don't think you can really judge the offense because it was that poor. Like I don't think we can sit here and say anything about the running game in terms of the running backs outside. Of, running backs look good when they got an opportunity. Uh, the, the quarterbacks did not really get a chance to throw the football. Poor Miller Moss. I feel like he was getting sacked every time he dropped back or being forced into a, a bad throw. He never had an opportunity to look good in this game. Jackson Dart had his moments and, and certainly dazzled. We're going to talk about Jackson Dart in a little bit. But for the most part, the passing game could not work because of the offensive line. The running game could not work because of the offensive line. And Alicia, there might be a valid reason for the offensive line not working besides 
this is just your typical USC offensive line of the last decade that has just been what it is. Yeah, and if I have one complaint about the way USC did things today, it has to do with the offensive line, specifically because, yeah, how how do you evaluate an offensive line that is made up of a group of five offensive linemen who haven't really played together at all? Because the way that USC put their teams together here was they had they split the, the coaching staff in half and they did a draft. And so you had, you know, Brett Nealon lining up against... Uh, you know, name a random offensive lineman. You have Andrew Voorhees at uh, left tackle where he's been the left guard the whole time. You had, um, you know, just Gino Canones in there. You had uh, Dietrich at guard and, and it was just, it was all over the place. So I don't know that they gave the offensive line a chance to look any good. Now, would they have looked good if they had had the first teamers and the second teamers out there in the units that they've been in? Uh, I have my doubts because previous practices, the defensive line has had the better of the offensive line across the board, but it, it got worse today because now you're taking away the only thing that that line has in its favor, which is chemistry, which is returning four starters and having Cortland Ford being able to be in there and be a solid five that's gone for three weeks of practice together. So maybe we cut the offensive line a tiny bit of slack in terms of how uh, unsettled they all looked. But I think, isn't that also like the fault of USC's coaches? Unless maybe they get something very meaningful and valuable from being able to evaluate each individual in those circumstances. Helton talked about how, you know, you don't always get to play with the five that you practice with, that sometimes guys get thrown in, and so you have to sort of learn how to deal with that. Like, I guess that's valuable too, but I I part of me really wishes that they had in their draft drafted groups of offensive linemen like the starting five. Yeah, the starting and five the and the, five. the second five. Yeah. As a group. Um yeah, I think that would have worked because what we saw today was that the the defensive line was eight steps ahead of them. Yes. But the defensive line is used to throwing different bodies in there. It doesn't yeah. matter whether it's it it's wasn't to uh, Tulia P- to to Pelotu, it wasn't geez, odd to see Tua Pelotu lining up next to Toya, lining up next to Lichtenstein. It wasn't odd to see right. Jamar Sakona lining yeah. up next to Stanley Taufo and lining up next to you know Dejon Benton. Like it, that's the normal way of life for that defensive line. Yeah, exactly. Not for the offensive line. Yeah, and all your stars on defense look good. Drake Jackson the, looked good. Tuli looked good. Sakona looked good. The entire de- the yeah. enti- I mean if we wanted to just start by just giving a shout out, I thought the entire defensive line to a man looked very good. I loved the flashes we saw from Jake Lichtenstein out there. Um Jay Toya was all over the place. Jamar Sakona was involved in every play in practically every play. Uh Tuli made his plays. Uh Dejan Benton stood out to me like the the off the defensive line in every iteration we saw it got the better of their offensive line and just looked really good. Now this is the zero sum game problem of spring camp and a spring game. Do we give that line all the credit for totally just walloping the offensive line, or is this you know are they being propped up by facing an offensive line that just wasn't there? There's a give and take, right? Because some of this is. I think we th- expect the defensive line to be good, mm-hmm. um, even though there are guys missing. There's no Peely. There's no Tui Pelotu. There's 
Marlon. Yeah, <laughs> there's the, no, well, there is one to upload. Yeah, to. <laughs> exactly. There, there's no uh, Jay Tufele. Yeah, those Nick three Figueroa guys without injured. Yeah, so those three guys plus Nick Figueroa, like you're talking about. Ideally, those would have been your starting, your first four defensive linemen off the bench, right? Your first four that you would have had in last season. Obviously, J. Tufelli didn't play last year, but the point is that not having those guys, you would think that there would be uh, this miss. But you saw all the guys step up last year, like Thule. Uh We saw Nick Figueroa lead the team in sacks. Um, you, you've seen Jamar Sakona step up. You've seen Jay Toya step up. All these different bodies... And there's a lot of confidence right now in Vic Soroto. He's we talked about it before. He's like the defense's dealing with color, which yeah. you have all sorts confidence. of confidence in him and everything. So you expect the defensive line to be good and to be more impressive that way. So part of it is that. The other part, so you give the def- the offensive line a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, slightly, a little bit there. But again, when this consistently is a problem, you gotta you got to be able to um, – De- defend that pass rush, right? You got to be able to hold it off. Uh, and- or you need to, or your offense needs to be designed in such a way. And this is one of our hopes for the air raid that we had that I don't right? think has come to pass still is fine. If you're going to run an air raid system, then make the defensive line irrelevant, get the ball out so quickly that it doesn't matter. And and that's not the offense that we've seen, which is funny because you and I were talking about this on the way home. Sorry, Keely. Uh, that, uh, that, the people on Twitter and elsewhere complain about the air raid. Like, this is what you get when it's the air raid. It's like, I don't think what people are complaining about here has to do with the air raid. I think what they're complaining about is just not performing well. Like, you know, Mike Leach air raid for all its for all its, uh, you know, limitations or whatever. Like the offensive line wouldn't be the main problem for them. They just be slinging it. Right, and we've talked about it before. Oklahoma, by the metrics, have had the best offensive line in the country yeah. the last several years. Well, and remember Washington State. Like I remember when they came to the Coliseum with the when JT Daniels was was USC's quarterback in 2018, and like Washington State, who was the uh, he's now with the Jags. Uh, yeah, mustache, mustache, boy. Yeah, yeah, mustache guy. Uh, he, you know, USC was getting tons and tons and tons of pressure, and he was just negating it by how quickly he was getting it out. So like. These things, you can mitigate it. And I think USC's biggest problem is still, I don't see them mitigating it the way that they need to be to make up for the fact that maybe their offensive line isn't like this elite unit. Yeah, I, I want to see the receivers, uh, sorry, the running backs involved in the receiving game a little bit more. I want to see more screens. I know people hate screens in the Lane Kiffin days, but that's a way to create extended handoffs and mitigate the rush. Well, and what was the best element of the offense today, aside from Drake London being a badass? It was the running backs catching the ball out of the backfield. Keontae Ingram. Keontae Ingram looked like an absolute baller on a, I think it was 49 yards. You know what it reminded me of? That Rojo checked out on the Hail Mary? Yeah, Except yeah. Except he didn't get like crushing block from Stephen Mitchell? So that he, yeah, well, he ran into to a, his own uh, offensive player, so he kind of ended up getting uh, getting tackled uh, down around, like, what, the 20? But he looked great as a dump-off option who could then take off and make some men miss and stiff-arm some dudes and, and take off running. And we saw that from Stephen Carr as well on a third down. He converted a third and 11 beautifully. Best uh, Carr has looked in years. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, Carr just in general, I think, today looked really, really bright. Uh, he had a really, he had a 26-yard run that was very good. But, uh, but catching the ball out of the backfield, he had a play. 
Vimalapai had a couple play. Even even uh, Brandon Campbell, who didn't get a lot to work with today, like he was an effective weapon outside uh, outside the uh, uh, outside the pocket in that sense. So those elements are there that USC can use. They just they need to sort of like a part of me want again. This is my complaint about USC for years: is if USC admitted their weakness, then they could deal with it. So if USC just admitted we can't, we don't have a good offensive line, then they might be able to say, okay, fine, we need to do everything we can to make the offensive line matter less. But USC is USC, and so they're going to sit there and go like, we have, we're great. Well, that's going to be a problem, but it's early, so. Yeah, so the byproduct of all this is that the offense really struggled with the offensive line not being able to hold their blocks, not being able to create a pocket for the quarterbacks. Uh, but with that, let's talk about the quarterbacks, the, the the opportunities in which they did get to throw the ball. Uh, Slovis uh, obviously got first team reps with the Cardinal team. He was followed up by Dart on the Cardinal team. Let's talk about those two guys, Slovis and Dart. What were your, what were your thoughts? Yeah, on Slovis, um, I think he never looked comfortable. I didn't see the problems with his passes that we saw from 2020. Like, there was no no wobbly ball, but he didn't look comfortable, and I think it made him slightly inaccurate at times. He threw an interception that Dorian Hewitt caught that was just woefully underthrown. Like, it wasn't wobbly. It wasn't like it came out of his hand wrong. He just missed it. And that was a play in which he had plenty of time in the pocket to step into his throat. Yes. And, yeah, like like you're saying, it's not like he looked uncomfortable in the sense that he doesn't have confidence in his arm. He was uncomfortable because of the dress he was under. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's um, something that he's going to have to deal with. But it's also, I mean, this is going to be a reality for USC. And, and hopefully once they get the established five, maybe that'll change. Maybe that's that's something that we see less of when he knows who's in front of him as far as the line is, the line is concerned. I don't know. Yeah, he did throw... A 49-yard rainbow to mm-hmm. uh, Drake London. It didn't like it was so high in the air. It held London up a, a, a stutter step. I think if he leads him by another yard or so, it might have just been a touchdown. But I never. But, but mind. nonetheless, neither, neither do I. If you're giving a receiver an opportunity like yeah. London, then it's fine. Yeah, give London a chance. Like that's you. I would. I would hate for you to overthrow. Drake sure. London. Yeah. Uh, give him a chance to make that chunk play. And I think that uh, that's the, if you want to take a really positive takeaway from from today, it's that Keaton Slovis is very comfortable throwing the ball to Drake London. And Drake London, 100%. Drake London is, uh, Drake London is something extremely special. And we saw him mostly on the outside today. And he was doing his best Michael Pittman impression. And I mean that in every sense of the, uh, of the compliment. You know, it's funny. I, Remember we were talking about is Michael Pitt, Pittman better than Juju? Remember he had those. Yeah. Th- okay. Well, I don't. I don't want to get there yet. I'm ready. At what point do we go? Is Drake London better it's, than Michael Pittman? It's not going to take me very long to get there. Like we should wait until we see actual games this year. But yes. like it's not going to take much for me to, to make it's, that. It's incredible. Yeah. Like I, I didn't think it was going to be this quick, and yeah. uh, here we are. I, I guess we're going to year three. So yeah, suddenly, quickly. Uh, with the with the shortened pandemic season, that that thing kind of happens. Yeah, but uh, the other quarterback that really stood out was Jackson Dart, and like you said, it, it's tough for Miller Moss because I think he was working with the weaker offensive line. Um, 
the gold team had a, a, a tough time of it uh, in a lot of ways. But uh, Jackson Dart looked... I've compared Jackson Dart... I've done the comparison of, like, Miller Moss's Cody Kessler, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean he... he is a, the skill set is a little bit more limited in that sense, but he could theoretically overcome that by with with what he brings to the table mentally. Um, Jackson Dart to me, the Sam Darnold comparison, bloomed to life in this game as in the sense of you just hold your breath when he has the ball in his hands. He might make a spectacular throw. He might scramble, and I think that he really benefited from the uh, the the sort of the hold your breath and and hope kind of moment, even though he, you know, he got sacked just as many times as everyone else. But every time he got sacked, you sort of tilted your head and go, I think that have really have away a from a, a couple yeah, of Yeah, most of them I feel like, no, that's not a sack. He runs for eight or ten yards there or, or he gets loose and is able to throw the ball, you know, something like that. So I think that there's just that it factor. And and I, I'm a fan of saying it factor because sometimes there's just – you can't necessarily describe what it is that makes a player so exciting, but Jackson Dart has it, and he made some spectacular throws. Uh, he just looked outstanding, and and you know I I would have guessed that Jackson Dart would be the number two quarterback uh, this this year after having seen him in person before the spring game. Uh, after the spring game, I'm all in on that. I think Jackson Dart is QB two. And certainly with Mohassan getting injured, uh, a knee injury certainly did not look good. Did not look good. He, he had a nifty little scramble there. And to, yeah. To, that was the play he got hurt on. Picks up uh, nine yards on a scramble. Um, he, he threw a beautiful touchdown pass to Brew McCoy in his beautiful, first drive. Beautiful, yes. I, I think right in between two defenders. Mohassan might have had the perfect game in the sense that he leads the first drive. Beautiful touchdown drive. Beautiful pass to, to uh, Brew McCoy. The second drive starts with that scramble where he picks up nine yards, but then he immediately goes down with a leg injury. Yeah. Those never look good. He's gonna he's gonna go off for an MRI. We'll see how that goes. Obviously, you hope for the best there. We'll see how it goes. But right. uh, Miller Moss, like you said, I, I don't think uh, Johnny Unitas couldn't have done anything with 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 what he was dealt with. Yeah. So uh, while Dart had a Visually better game than Moss. I, that's not a detriment to Moss. That's a credit to Dart. Yeah. So don't take anything about that as, as a judgment between the two. Uh, Dart just looks really, really, really good. Part of that is because he was throwing to Michael Jackson the third. That connection. You had the, the Slovis to, to London connection. Those two definitely on the same page. They have a chemistry. And you know that Keaton loves throwing to Drake London. Jackson Dart loves throwing to Michael Jackson. Yes, and we saw that in the first couple of weeks of practice. You know, Michael Jackson looked like he's he's somebody who has something going for him. And it was a bummer that Gary Bryan Jr. ended up with a hamstring injury early in this game because he had been one of the, the rising stars of practice as well. But uh, Michael Jackson definitely lived up to what I would have hoped from him in terms of making his presence known uh, in, in, you know, in this scenario. And, yeah, you can see Dart and Jackson having that kind of connection, having that chemistry that they get to build from day one, that's just super, super exciting to see. 
Yeah, uh, we didn't see anything out of Katie Nixon. Uh, I think part of that is because he it's was a, on the gold team with Miller Moss. I don't know a, when Miller Moss was supposed to well, okay, to, to the, hit him, except the, for that one pass. The worst where he, moment of the game of he the underthrows him of yeah. the day for Miller Moss. Katie Nixon is wide open on for a corner route, a thirty-yard gain, and and Miller just yeah. missed. You're him playing badly. Madden. It's like it's like when you go with yeah. with, with t- the tight formation. and You got like Bucks post perfectly to Katie Nixon right there. Under th- underthrew him. But, uh, uh, yeah. Ryan Abraham said on Twitter he thought it was a miscommunication. That could have been the case. It's either, possible. either way, never it was a huge gain that was right there for yeah. the taking. Freshman quarterback didn't and a new up. receiver. Yeah, just it, it yeah. just didn't work out. But uh, the the other, I just wanted to point out a couple more standouts before we have to we have to go. But um, Josh Jackson. Speaking of guys who lived up to the first couple of weeks of practice, you know, I was kind of almost expecting Josh Jackson. Okay, it's going to fade a little bit. It's going to fade a little bit. Josh Jackson was balling. He was going up against Drake London and like going toe to toe with Drake London. Had a great PBU. Yeah, he had a he had a pass breakup. He had an interception. Uh, he interception where, completely on he, Dart. Well, he baited Dart into it, I think, and yeah. then surprised him with how high he could jump. Like it was it was nice. It was nice to see that from him. And uh yeah, he got a PI going up against Drake London, but like I was really pleased with the work that he did, especially down in that goal line period. Uh, well, not a period, but, you know, when they were down at the goal line, when you're matched up against Drake, Drake Lennon, you're not getting eaten alive. That says a lot about you as a corner. And I think that uh, Josh Jackson really stood out. Chris Steele had a good moment. Doran Hewitt had his interception. You know, I just I think there's a lot to be excited about with the secondary as well. Yeah. And uh, the other guy who really ate on, on defense was Drake Jackson. He had yes, a he series in which he had a sack and a bat down of a pass from, from Keaton Slovis. So he looks like he is in prime position to be the the Drake Jackson that you want him to be. I, I think if you look at this team defensively, they're exactly where you want. Um, th- I think you need to see a little bit more out of the, the linebackers in terms of activation, uh, act, like being active. The, the uh, defensive line all over the place, constantly in the backfield, constantly making plays and wrecking havoc. The secondary doing the same thing. IPM could have decapitated Slovis when he came in <laughs> yes. on a sack. He just ran by him, like yeah. didn't even bother touching him for for the sack. He untouched could have off just, the edge. It would have been brutal, right? Yeah. Um. And so everyone in the secondary had their moments. The linebackers outside of walk on Spencer Gilbert, a, a little a little MIA. But at the same point, when you have everyone else wrecking havoc, it's not a huge deal, I guess. Yeah, Hilton was complimentary of the linebackers um, in his post game, but I will admit I didn't notice a single one of them outside of pre-play. Yeah. So same thing here. Yeah. Spencer Gilbert had an interception, so he was the most noticeable. It, it also doesn't, doesn't hurt when the running game is not getting to them for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's going to wrap up the car cast. Uh, we're going to talk so much more about the spring game and our thoughts about spring football thus far. Uh, in this upcoming week's episode. Thanks for listening. As always, again, go to earthechofoods.com slash minutemedia and use the code MINUTE15 to get 15% on Cacao Bliss. If you want to revolutionize your chocolate-eating life over there. And uh, we'll catch you later this week. Yep. Got a final word? The final word is helicopter. As in, it was a beautiful day at the Coliseum for the sun to shine and the breeze to blow and the helicopter to fly overhead for most of the practice. Forever. (laughs) Forever. Yes. Would not go away. 
Uh, but that, that's it for us. We'll see you next time. See ya. See ya. See ya. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.